Hello and welcome back to 40 Minute Mentor and our Where Are They Now feature series. Before we kick off today's episode, I wanted to let you know about the launch of a brand new podcast by IMD called Management Cast. The show features interviews with the brightest minds in the business universe to uncover the attitudes, ideas and strategies that underpin successful companies, as well as some predictions about the future of management. Listen in this week to hear IMD's Professor of AI, Analytics and Marketing Strategy, Amit Joshi, give his insights on how artificial intelligence is impacting companies today and what it will mean for businesses tomorrow. Management Cast is available on Apple, Spotify and all major podcast platforms. But now on to today's episode, I'm joined by the wonderful Roberta Luca, the co-founder of the BAFTA-winning video game developer Bossless Studios. She's also a keynote speaker and angel investor. I always love catching up with Roberta as she brings so much energy and enthusiasm to every conversation. And she always has new projects and passions to share. And today is no exception. We find out about her transition from co-founder and CEO of Bossa Studios to a portfolio career, why you really shouldn't feel trapped by your job title, and we hear what it was like to be on the latest Apprentice series. So with all that said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this special Where Are They Now episode with the amazing Roberta Luca. Roberta, welcome back to 40 Minute Mentor. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm really good. It is always lovely to see you. It's been a little while since we last had a conversation on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming back for this Where Are They Now series. I think last time we spoke, you, you know, you shared the incredible journey you've been on with Bossa Studios, including talking about your BAFTA win, which is definitely a first for the podcast. But for anyone that hasn't listened to that episode, do you mind telling them a bit about what Bossa Studios does and what you've been up to since we last spoke? Bossa Studios is a video games company. We are mostly based in London, but of course, we are in hybrid mode as you know, all, all, of, all companies in the world. I set up 12 years ago with my co-founders. We raised over $30 million from VCs like Atomico, Makers Fund, London Venture Partners. And we basically make games and we launched dozens of games over the last 12 years. And a lot of people tell us that we are a creative powerhouse because the way that we prolifically launch those games are by creating hundreds of games, which we do a lot of audience research and end up launching a few. And yeah, we won a BAFTA awards and multiple awards because of that as well, which is pretty humbling for me. But yeah, it's a, it's a great team and that's what we do. We make people happy with video games. And what a great mission. What a great mission. No, it's an incredible business and, uh, you know, something to be incredibly proud of. So um, since we last spoke, which was, um, yeah, a fair few months back, tell us a bit about what you've been up to. What fun stuff have you been doing? I uh, went into a, a journey of a portfolio career in the last few years, actually. And, and of course, as, as an entrepreneur, I was like, I can do more things here, more things there. So I started a YouTube channel, I started a podcast. I started to do a lot of keynote speeches, like paid for keynote speeches. I have an agent nowadays. And most recently, I started to uh, learn how to sing as well. And, and to me, it's pretty impressive how much when I was 100% active, C-level in the company, I was getting all of these stimulus from those places and different endeavors that I had that 
was actually making me a much better leader. And a good example for that is improv, improv, improvisation theater. So that's something that I started, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And I remember the biggest insights that I had during my classes of improv theater that I could bring back to my day to day. And they somehow made me more courageous to make some bold decisions as well. And so, yeah, that, that kind of that urge to do multiple things in my life was always there. But of course, society put a lot of pressure on us that you need to be your job title, you do not, you need to find one path and, you know, be a specialist. And I, and I, I finally broke free from that in the last few months and I'm embracing being a multi. I love that. And I think there's, it's definitely a, a theme we've seen amongst you know, our community and, and, and actually and our candidates, kind of people moving into portfolio careers, fractional roles, all this sort of stuff. And I, I definitely see it as, as the future. You've now made that transition. How did you find it? Because it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. It's, quite, it's, it's a very bold move in a way. The kind of concept hasn't been around for ages. So it would be good to understand kind of, you know, how you found that transition. And what do your weeks look like now in comparison to when you were a founder? Because I'd imagine they're pretty different. Very different. So the transition was, I think I had it in me and I didn't know. And I always had that rebel challenging me like, what if? What if I try that? What if I try that? And I, yeah, out of a, a moment of desperation of, oh my, my God, my life is way too serious and I have a lot of responsibilities. As a founder, I need to do something of an outlet which is how, you know, the first thing that I did was improv theater, which was my outlet, right? And then I kind of, I realized how much I like the storytelling piece of it, right? It's like when you go on stage to do an improv performance or even a stand-up performance, which I also, I've also done, you are telling a story and sometimes you don't really know where the story is going to lead you. So you're always dealing with a bunch of, with like complete uncertainty and you need to be a hundred percent present. And if you're doing prov, you usually have, you know, other players with you on stage and be accepting of any curveball that your partner would bring to you. Say, oh my God, we are on the top of the mountain. Isn't it amazing? And instead of me saying, well, but we're in London, I say, yeah, isn't it great that we, <laughs> that we, we got on a bike and, and rode to the top of the mountain? So suddenly you create a story. And I think that is uh, what, what led me to think that I could do other things, right? So that was kind of a light bulb moment in my brain that was like, actually, I can be multiple things. And so I think that was the transition, right? And going to where I am today, my days are very fluid. So what I do is I do, I block my calendar like for certain hours of the day to do specific things about, you know, the themes of the portfolio career that I created. So it might be that I have an afternoon that it's all about content creation, which I've been prolifically creating content for LinkedIn and social media and et cetera. It could be that it's a whole day about creating a, my new show reel for my keynote speeches, right? Or it could be a day that it's about focusing 100% on Bossa because there's something going on there from a strategic perspective that they need my help with. And so it's fluid. And I think it, it was tough in the beginning to be that fluid because <laughs> you usually have like back-to-back -back meetings and suddenly like, okay, I can create, I can craft my day however I want. 
But one thing leads to the other. If you get a little bit more organized, you are able to switch your brain in the best way possible, the leverage, the cross-pollination that you need for all the endeavors that you have. It's really remarkable, isn't it? That It is a big shift, but then the freedom that comes with it that you have, it, it must be just an incredible sense of relief. But I can imagine how someone like myself needs to block those hours out because otherwise I'd just go off on all sorts of tangents. I'm a bit of a magpie like that. Um, for those that are listening to this going, oh my God, this sounds incredible. This is This is the future for me. What do you wish you'd have known before you embarked on this this sort of new portfolio career and multi-career? Like what have been maybe the hardest parts of that transition and uh, any learnings that anyone else going through it can uh, can take? Identity. And in a sense that you are not defined by your job title. And I feel that we all trapped in our job titles, even entrepreneurs, right? I am an entrepreneur, so I need to behave like that all the time. No. Why? And I see from even in the team at Boston, our best performers are people who are motis and they embrace all the stuff beyond their job titles and they grow and they become ambitious and et cetera, right? So I would say that to myself, don't be trapped by your job title. You can do more things and by doing more things, by yeah, exploring other size of your identity or the talents, hidden talents that you might have that you never invested on, that could lead you to a completely different future that you do not see right now. Such great advice. And you just wonder how many amazingly talented people are are out there kind of slightly wasted because they're just focusing on the same old stuff because that's what they know because it's the safest option. But actually, you're so right. I think if we put ourselves in different situations, we challenge ourselves, we try new things. You know, it's, it's, it's little things like talking to people on a train. Like my life changed when I met a certain an entrepreneur on a train. He became a great friend. And that was the spark for me to set up JBM. It would have been so easy for me just to have ignored him, <laughs> you know, and just carry on. And it's just amazing how just sometimes you you have that little spark of confidence. Actually, I'm going to speak to somebody. It's a long journey. So I totally agree. And I I, I think just hearing you hit sort of your journey and and how you've embraced that, I think hopefully will inspire lots of other people to do the same. Um, You've obviously, you mentioned the the keynote speaking, which which I I kind of really admire because I I guess I do do a fair amount of speaking, but there's some nervousness about the whole TEDx thing and being paid to go up on stage but you're very very good at it and you've done lots of things in the media like I saw you on the BBC recently doing a feature where you talked about uh, the future of work and and about how job titles trap us which I totally agree can you share some thoughts around what that future of work is going to look like and I think particularly for any leaders that are listening looking to build successful teams for the future like what should they be thinking about yeah, I've thought about that quite a lot with this journey of becoming a multi and observing the trends and how being a creator myself nowadays as well and, and a speaker, I'm like, a lot of people are now, Gen Z in particular, right? They are creating businesses around their passions. And people talk about the passion economy, whatever, right? It doesn't matter if they're making more money, less money, you know, or thinking they're going to become rich tomorrow through a hack that they just learned on the internet or their aspirations to be like a famous YouTuber, right? It doesn't matter. What matters is that the way that Gen Z is now wired is that the world is so not ready for 
anything that felt secure for us before, which like you would know that your script of life is you go to university, you have a job, you get married, you buy a house, you buy a car, you know, and then you retire at 65, 70, and then your life is sorted, right? That kind of linear way to see life and to live life does not exist ready for Gen Z anymore. So the way that they approach life and work is how can I monetize everything that I do? How can I monetize my passions? How can I find ways to connect things that I'm learning and that, and that I can teach other people even that would allow me to be someone in the world and add some value? And I think once these people are entering our organizations, they are naturally motives. They are polymaths, right? They are probably the next Leonardo da Vinci, right? The next Elon Musk. And we have a mission to embrace them because we all need each other. It's how our organizations are going to be much more daring. That's how we're going to innovate much more, right? It's welcoming those entrepreneurs, because you don't want them all to be creating their businesses. We want some of them to be creating new products inside our companies, right? And so we need to be ready to, to motivate them to be with us. So true. Oh, no, thank you, Roberta. I think there'll be people listening to this that are big fans of The Apprentice. And I was watching it with my wife and uh, I saw your face. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> this is incredible. You know, it's one of the most popular shows on TV. So tell our listeners a bit about how did you end up on The Apprentice? you know, as one of the one of the experts. Uh, and what was that experience like? Has you got any advice for anyone that's kind of wants to wants to apply? Unfortunately, there isn't any really beautiful story of, uh, of getting there. It was basically a call from one of the producers for that particular challenge. So The Apprentice had this year, had a, well, they filmed last year and broadcasted this year. They had a challenge which, whereby the contestants had to make a game. And uh, yeah, one of the producers contacted me and said, hey, we're considering you to, um, yeah, to be one of the angel investors and judges. And so we had a long conversation about what makes great games great, what sort of people be, you know, founders or game designers that I, that I have invested before that I would invest. And it was very exciting because it was the first time that I, I had to kind of distill down everything that is about making a great game to someone who doesn't know anything about making games. And of course, they had to put together the whole challenge, right? And yeah, in the day we were filming like many hours to see that snippet as you do on TV. That's uh, what we all know. And I try to keep my poker face because of course I'm very respected. <laughs> I want to respect everyone who goes to create any games or any products out there. And it was amazing. It was really, really good fun. And the feedback was like that, what, what you just said. People so cool. contacting me out of nowhere. I say, oh my God, <laughs> I just saw, on TV, saw you on TV on The Apprentice. I was like, okay. I couldn't <laughs> tell any, anything to anyone because of NDAs, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's so fun. Like, and again, like that's the sort of thing, I guess, in a multi-career, you know, when you're doing different things, you actually have the time to try new things. And you know, I, I, you probably haven't done much TV work before, but just those sorts of opportunities can come to you when you're, you know, broadening your horizons. So that's, that's, that's very cool. Uh, it's very cool. And you know, one, one thing that I, I'll just add is that it feels like the opportunities come to you when you are ready. And 
I know it feels woo-woo to say that, but I felt very ready to be in front of the camera because I had done 55 videos for my YouTube channel. I had done 25 podcast interviews. And so I did not shy from that. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds great because I'm going to align something that I, I do every day with, you know, being in front of the camera and communicate something to people that, you know, in a, in a very comfortable way. So that, that, that's cool. And that's a good, good story for everyone to know. That's so true. That's so true. One of the other things that you do, Roberta, is you're an active angel investor. So uh, can you share some advice for any of our listeners that are that may be out there currently raising money from angels? What is it that you look for when you're assessing founders or when people are pitching to you? A bit like, I guess, on The Apprentice. Yeah, right. <laughs> I actually wrote something about that at the end for, for a, a gaming outlet. Okay, so what do I do? As an angel investor, the founders that got most of my attention are the ones who look for founder market fit. And what I mean by that is the following. I, I've invested in over 15 companies so far and I advise a couple of them as well. So what I mean by that is that I want to feel that they, one, they know that the market they're going towards it's, is a market that is growing exponentially big because that's the type of investments that I do, typically uh, with some technology involved. And I want to, yeah, I want to put money into that with the perspective of getting a 100x return in 10 years time. So, so that's kind of my feeling. So I need founders who are investing in markets that are exponentially growing. So that's a key thing. But the founder market fit is, is also super crucial because if you're not obsessed or if you don't know enough about the market you're entering, even if you're an outsider, right? You don't need to have worked in that market like for many years. But even from an outsider perspective, I need to have a sense that you've talked to tons of people who have been there, who have had that problem or who have been in the market or you're surrounded by advisors who know that very well because I want to see your daring self, your ambitious founder mentality tackling something, a problem that is real and not creating something out of their own imagination thinking that they're revolutionizing the world. So that these are kind of the, the the founders that I love most. And and the market is like, it's very volatile, right? So you, looking at the market from a perspective of a, a sailing person. So you want to adjust your product, your sale to the wind so that you can get from A to B. If you're not attuned to that, you just get drifted in the middle of the sea. So that's what I look for. Wise words. Thank you very much. And Roberta, I guess looking ahead to the rest of 2022 and beyond, both professionally and, and personally, what, what what plans have you got? Is there anything really exciting you can share with our listeners? In addition to singing. <laughs> of course. So singing is, is, is a very key thing. I love the singing there, Roberta, because you, for anyone that hasn't listened to the previous episode, you shared with us that that was something you were going to really work on. And, and we talked about both like enjoying singing. So it's so nice to hear that you've really doubled down on that. And uh, yeah, so I'm definitely, I know singing will be part of it. <laughs> It's definitely going to be part of that. I just came back from a retreat right now, which is pretty amazing, a, a singing retreat. So singing is definitely something that makes my soul happy. So I, I, I need to continue to do that. But other than that, I'm going 10x on everything storytelling and content creation. So yeah, 
check out what I, I'll be doing across the board. My website, betterluca.com and LinkedIn, where I'm mostly most active. So yeah, I've, that, that's my thing. I, I'm becoming a creator and a storyteller. And of course, doing more and more keynote speeches. So these are, these are the things to look, look for in the next few months. Very exciting. Well, if you don't follow Roberta, you really should. She's amazing. You know, so much inspirational content always and, and really creative stuff. And I think, you know, I always love talking to you. So thank you so much for coming back on the 40 Minute Mentor and telling us what you've been up to recently. And uh, yeah, very excited to see all that. Well, the singing development, of course, that, that concert you do, I'm sure, before too long for all of us uh, fans of yours and also all the content. I'm sure it'll be amazing. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for giving us your time again. Thank you, James. Cheers. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Roberta is such a joy to be around, and I found her insights on what business leaders need to do to hire and nurture the next generation of leaders really fascinating, so I hope you found it as useful as I did. I also really enjoyed hearing about the many different facets of her portfolio career, how she divides her time, and how she approaches angel investing. I found it super interesting as I am not the best when it comes to managing my time and also have aspirations to do more angel investing in the future. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, check out the link in the show notes to see Roberta's first appearance on the 40 Minute Mentor. You won't regret it. That's everything for me today. But fear not, as we'll be back next week with another Where Are They Now episode featuring one of our very first 40 Minute Mentors. But more on that next Wednesday. Have a great week ahead. And if you enjoy the pod, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. We really appreciate your support.